That is not a scene from The Martian. Uh, does anybody remember that video from the late 90s? I think that was like the first video that went viral. Uh, I remember getting it in college, and then suddenly it was like everyone was watching this video, this alien getting hit by a, a, a giant disco ball. That is one of the, the soundtrack songs in The Martian, however, uh, and it's a fun song. If you're, if you're just joining us this, uh, this morning, uh, you weren't with us last week, we do this series that we've done now for a couple years uh, called HFC at the Movies. And each week, we're going to be looking at a different movie. Last week, we talked about Woodlawn. This week is The Martian. Why movies? Why, ch- why would we do this in church? We believe... I lo- First of all, I love movies. I think a lot of us love movies, and they're great s- times to tell stories, and God used stories all the time. Jesus told parables. He used pictures. He used art, different, different things to try to communicate the gospel and the good news. And so that's what we want to do for the next couple of weeks, and we want to have fun with it as well. So uh, one thing that you maybe have missed, uh, some of you caught on, but there's candy every week. There's movie candy every week. So at the end of your row, there is a cup of, I think, chocolate stuff this week. So pass those down. Don't be greedy the first time around. Uh, If it comes back, you can take as much as you like on that. But grab some candy. Now, as a kid, I had a dream. Uh, you know, you dream about the things that you want to be one day. Uh, and I think maybe uh, this, this lasted longer than most. I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, did anybody else have that dream that you, you decided, well, I want to be an astronaut one day? Did anybody say, I want to go to space? I want to I go to space one day. Are you there with me? Uh, I don't know if you're seeing this, but there's actually possibilities of humans going to space with man-operated things. I think SpaceX was one of them by Tesla, that you can actually pay to go to space possibly in the future, a, a passenger plane of sorts. Would you do that? If it was affordable, would you do that? Would you try to, would you go to space? You're saying, no way, I like it. This is great here on Earth where gravity exists. I think that, I mean, I would love, hopefully in my lifetime, hopefully in my lifetime, I'll get the chance to, to do that, to go to space, to get to experience that. So the Martian uh, is actually uh, a true story. Uh, no, it's not a true story, but hopefully one day it, it, it could be a true story. It's about us going to Mars. Now, NASA is in the process now, you know this probably because we are Houstonians, that we're in the process of trying to, to put together a man operated spacecraft to Mars by, has anybody heard the guesses? It's around 2030s, the 2030s is the hope, okay? So actually the Martian, there's a book based on it, and it's the time frame is around 2035 that this would, would take place. So just to get us caught up a little bit, you know, in, in, in Mars, the days are not the same. A day is in, on Mars is called what? A what? Soul. There we are. Okay, this is your science lesson for the day. A soul. And how many hours are in a soul? 24 hours and 39 minutes instead of just 24. So it's a little bit longer, okay? How many souls are there in a Martian year? Because, you know, Mars has a, a, a bigger gravitational circle there around the, the sun. It's 669 souls in a year. You guys are, are failing the science uh, thing here. Now, how far away is Mars from the planet Earth? Any guesses? Give us your best guess. 
Tell your neighbor, your best guess, how far away is Mars from Earth? A bunch. A bunch. Now, that actually is, of course, a trick question. Because at any point, they're at different places because they're farther away, because they're moving around. But the closest we ever have been, I think, is around 34 million miles away, million miles away from Mars, okay? That's the closest. The farthest point is around 250 million miles away. Just wrap your head around that, okay? And so here we are. Here's the scene. Good old Matt Damon and his crew of others uh, have gone to Mars, and they are exploring Mars, and something suddenly awful happens. A storm, an unforeseen storm comes onto the scene there in Mars, and they are forced to abandon their mission, and that's where we pick it up today. Spoiler alert, he's still alive. Can you imagine now, maybe 250 million miles away from Earth, away from your crew, completely lost. Have you ever lost someone before? I was talking to a buddy uh, a week or so ago, and he was talking about how uh, they went to Disney World, and they lost their little girl for a, a few minutes. And it's like, as he's telling me about this, I am just feeling the nervous energy inside of me. And I'm starting to just like tense up and just flashbacks come into my mind when those moments where I've looked over, and maybe you've had this moment, I'm sure you have, if you've had kids, and you go, where is she? Where is he? We lost uh, Noah at, at uh, Chuck E. Cheese once, and <laughs> just the worst place on earth, by the way, Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> and there's just kids everywhere in these these. Uh, giant playpen above and around, and, and we know he's probably somewhere, but we cannot see him, and we just go to complete freak-out mode, okay? And you're just searching everywhere. You're thinking a thousand different possibilities. What if? Where if? Who knows? And just fear kind of just grabs a hold of you. What are they thinking? What are, what's going on for them? Have you ever been lost? Now, uh, I'm only talking to ladies in the room, obviously, because, men, we are never lost, are we? Uh, at no point ever lost. Uh, and especially now we have GPS. When are we ever lost these days? You remember the map system that we used to have? Kids, you know nothing of this, and you never will, but we'd have to like print out map quests, uh, print out to get places, or have those funky maps that you can never put back together. But occasionally, maybe we have gotten lost in your car or, or place somewhere in Houston that you suddenly go, I don't know where I am, and I don't know how I'm going to get back to where I want to go. Being lost is this, this giant metaphor that, that the Bible uses. When talking about people that are, are separated from God, they're away from God. They're separated from, from home, where God lives, this place where this relationship that God desires and wants. So occasionally, throughout the Bible, they refer to people that are, are lost, that are away from God. Now, I would not recommend, if you know of anyone that is not uh, in relationship with God, to call them lost to their face. That just really doesn't, that's just not very nice, is it? It just feels strange and weird and just, just not very kind either. But I know this, from my time from being separated from God, that's exactly what I was. I, I thought I was going the right direction, 
I, I thought I was going to the right places and, and the right way in life, but everywhere I went, it led me to dead ends or to empty places or to empty spaces within my heart or void or just feeling purposeless, just away from what God had called me and wanted me to be in life, the feeling of, of being lost. Now, Mr. Watney, Mark Watney, played by uh, Matt Damon, is, is on Mars, and he, now he's completely separated from, from every, the crew, and he's trying to survive. And so how in the world is he going to survive? He's doing everything that he possibly can to do that. You'll see that in a sec, but he realizes he has a major problem, food. You have to eat to survive. You have to. So he fortunately is a botanist, and a botanist is uh, he, he's all about plants and the science of plants and growing things. And so he has a little leg up, and so he begins the process of of trying to decide how am I going to make food to be able to survive? That maybe possibly someone maybe would be able to come and, and rescue me. So check out this next thing. So one part you missed in the storyline, the only entertainment music that he had was Commander Lewis's uh, collection of disco music, uh, thus the I Will Survive and other great songs from that time period. Don't we miss disco? I hope that that never, ever comes back in any way, that, that type of music. Well, Mark, he's trying to survive. NASA suddenly realizes that he's alive, and so now the entire movie is all, there's just one purpose of the rest of the movie. Bring Mark Watney home. In fact, maybe you've seen, you saw the posters that said, bring him home. They were, that was kind of the, 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 the logo or the, the poster for the, the whole thing. It was this thought of bringing him home. And so they were, it was everywhere. If you have your Bible with us uh, this morning, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And uh, we're going to start the, the very first verse. And Jesus is hanging out with, with some people, and that's where we find it in chapter, the very first verse. It says this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he, he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. You're hanging out with these sinful people. Now, first of all, who are we talking about here? Pharisees and religious scholars or teachers of the law. Now, for whatever reason, when I think of these folks in the Bible, I always think back in the day, children once again, when they had chalkboards that we would use, their teacher would leave the room and would assign one person to be the person on the chalkboard, and this person was very familiar with the class rules, and if you broke the class rules, what happened? Your name got put on the chalkboard for everyone to see, and it was just out there, you are the one that broke the rules, and this will not be erased until the teacher comes back, and there is your name out there. That's, for whatever reason, that was what comes to mind with Pharisees and religious uh, leaders in the day, because they were really focused on the Old Testament law and, and keeping the law and identifying anyone who was not keeping the law. Now, who is this other group of people? These notorious sinners and tax collectors. They're often associated with, together when you, you read the Bible. Notorious sinners are people that in the day just basically didn't hide really their sin. They were kind of living it out by sin the ways that they were 
living against God's will in their life. The people that, and just out in the open, were, were kind of living in a, in a certain way. And so they were just known as being the sinners, which every time I think that word, I think, for some reason, Jim Carrey and just said sinners, and just, there it is. But, so they were publicly identified there. And, and then there's other group, this tax collectors. Who were these tax collectors? They were people that collected taxes. They had taxes back then too. And these people were the worst of the worst in, in communities because under Roman rule, the Jewish communities, they were taxed by the Romans and the money went to the, the Roman government. And so there was just this feeling of just tyranny upon them and, and money would be taken from them. And not only that, these tax collectors would take some on the side for themselves. They would pocket money for themselves and take advantage of their own people. And so they would really be isolated and just hated and disgusted people. So these tax collectors and sinners, that's who Jesus was hanging out with. And it became very clear to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, that they created these two kind of groups. They're insiders, people that followed God, and, and, and the letter of the law to a, a T, and those who were the outsiders, those who did not. These two completely different circles. Now, I don't know if you saw any of the, the lead up to this movie at all, but you know, they were people were trying to guess how much would it cost to, you know, how much would it cost NASA America to try to save Mark Watney, to try to save him. The number they came up with was $20 billion to try to save this guy, the astronaut. $20 billion. Now, and then another article I was I happened to read at the same time is like, you know, there's there's kind of a pattern here. Matt Damon gets lost in a lot of movies, and he has to be rescued a lot in a lot of movies, if you thought about it. I mean, he was in, I think, Courage Under Fire, and it costs, and, and we have the list up here on, on the screen here, Courage Under Fire, Saving Private Ryan, Titan AE, Syrian, uh, Green Zone, I can't pronounce it, Elysium, uh, Interstellar, and The Martian. Okay, this is the cost of saving Matt Damon in all of these movies, okay? Grand total, $900 billion, $900 billion to save Matt Damon. Now, I like his movies, okay, but man, that's a lot of money, okay? $900 billion. just a guess. Do you ever think that we ever put a price tag on people? How much people are worth? Now, I know we would never, ever do that out loud, right? But think about this. Every year, you can, you can Google this, the, mo the richest people in America, the richest people in, in the world, and what do they put? They put a number beside them, whatever billion, and what is it? Their worth, their net, what are they worth, and then a number beside it. Do you think we ever do that as, as a people? Well, if they do this and this, and they're worth this. Or obviously money is, is a huge factor in that, and they're, they're just worth more as, as people. And maybe they we even like mentally have a price tag for people. That if you do X, then you're worth more. And if you do this, then you're worth less. And each, the more you do that you're not supposed to do, you're worth less and less and less and less. And, and the opposite goes around. It kind of feels like that that's what... The Pharisees were doing. These people are worthless. These people are not worth your time, Jesus. These people, you shouldn't even be associating with these people at all. So Jesus begins to tell some stories. He begins to tell some stories. And you can look at it in Luke chapter 15. He tells three stories. But it seems, as before we get to the stories, that 
kind of the method for the Pharisees and the religious leaders to, to reach out to these people that are, are worthless was, was, was fairly simple. It's, it's called shaming. Uh, as a kid, do you, do you remember this motion here? I don't even know, where did that come from, by the way? Anyone who's wiser, if you have any ideas, you can tell me afterwards, but I would hear this phrase, shame, 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 shame. I don't know what this means, but shame, 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 and you would usually accompany that. Uh, have you ever heard of dog shaming? Uh, it's a, a thing now, apparently, where you try to shame your dog into doing and in, in, in behaving correctly. Uh, here are some examples of this. Uh, I broke your toilet seat, my bad. Uh, I bark at, at pants. Uh, I steal pacifiers. They're so cute, aren't they? I ate a Bible tonight. I think I helped. We're sorry, Jesus. Uh, I eat crayons and poop rainbows. I poop on little kids, sandcastles. And then the last one, uh, I ate mom's best shoes. I encouraged him. I love bacon, the little one. <laughs> Dog shaming, it's a real thing, people. But you, we've also, that, that phrase has also come into other words and other phrases. Uh, public shaming, I've heard the, the phrase fat shaming before. Maybe you've heard some other phrases where shaming. Trying to shame people, maybe even to doing better things or behavior. And I think kind of that's, that was a strategy for these folks. That if we get you, we shame you into better behavior, then maybe you'll believe in God. And if you believe in God, then we will allow you to belong, to be a part of the inside circle that's there. But that's not Jesus' philosophy at all. He hears this grumbling and begins to tell these stories. These are familiar stories. He said this, if you had a hundred sheep, you know the story, wouldn't you go out if one was lost? Wouldn't you go out and do everything you could to find it? It was kind of a rhetorical question, but the answer wasn't what everyone was saying. Like he was saying, wouldn't you go out and try to find this one sheep that was lost? And the people are probably going, no, I got 99. Why would I go out? That's not a rhetorical question, Jesus. He says, of course you would go out. Of course you would go out and you would do everything you could to find that one, wouldn't you? You would do everything. And when you found him, you would put him on your, your shoulders and you'd take him back. And, and what would be the reaction? He would call his friends and his neighbors together and he would say, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, this is, man, this is a great part, that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 persons who do not need to repent. One sinner repents. One person that's lost is found. They'll be rejoicing in heaven. Now, this is the part that scholars tell us is kind of tongue-in-cheek, that Jesus is kind of funny. He says this line, it's better than 99 persons that don't need to repent. You see what he's saying here? That the others don't need to repent. Almost like saying, you know what, I'm sure you guys don't have anything hidden I'm sure you don't have any sins behind closed doors. This joy. So in, in this parable, I see kind of two pictures. You see, you see this Mark Watney, this poster, Bring Him Home, that, that they put out there. For, for Jesus, he's saying this, bring him home. And then there's this image, something else, uh, of this sheep that's lost, that's out there. Now, the second story. What's the second story? This woman has 10 coins. 
She loses one in her house. What does she do? She goes all over her house, and she begins to search and to seek and to dust and to try to find this one coin. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, Jesus says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over God for one sinner who repents. One of the things that I immediately thought about this in the movie when I was watching it last year At no point in this movie does NASA ever pull aside and say, you know what, let's do a cost-benefit analysis, okay? The cost is just getting too much for this guy, okay? We're getting to $5 billion or or $10 billion or whatever. It just costs too much. Just not worth it to go and try and save him, okay? that, That never comes up. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that for Jesus in these stories? It's because everybody is priceless, to Jesus. Everyone is viewed the same to Jesus and that you are invaluable to him. And he says it this way in Ephesians, he says it at 3, 16 through 19, I pray that from his glorious, this is Paul talking, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. Catch this part. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is for us. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So what is he doing? There are people in this world, maybe there's people in this room, that they feel like possibly if we had price tags upon us, upon our worth, maybe there's some that think, just feel kind of worthless. Just kind of feel worthless. And Jesus is coming through, and he's scraping all of those price tags, and he's saying, you're not worthless. You, you instead, you are priceless. You are priceless. There's not a, a number that can be put on, on you. Why? Because I love you. My love cannot even be comprehended. So I've thought about that this week. Do I ever put values on people? And I value some people more than other people? Maybe even attention, giving attention to certain people more than other people? Listening more to other people than I do? caring about some people more than I do other people. Our goal and our hope should be to see and value the people the way Jesus does. And our mission, get this, should be to help people to see themselves the way Jesus does. So how do we do that? How do we make this our mission? How do we help people to see the way, themselves the way Jesus does? By being intentional by speaking blessings into people, by encouraging people, by recognizing people, don't treating, not treating them as objects for us to be used, to, not taking from people, but giving from people, investing in others, praying for others, being transparent, sharing the gospel with someone else, sharing your story with someone else, reminding people of who they are. In order for us to value people, you know what's going to cost us something? It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us energy, uh, resources. It's going to cost us a lot of different things. Now, after exhausting different options, NASA basically said, you know what? The the, the best option is for us to, to send this Hermes crew, the original five that had gone toward home, to send them back toward Mars. 
But they'd made a decision that, you know what, we're not wor- it's not worth risking human life for this. We'll try something else, even though it doesn't have a good shot. And so the crew of the Hermes, they find out word that there's a possibility they can be a part of the rescue. And here's the next thing. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. That was Jesus' mission. That's what he was all about, to seek and to save those who are lost. In fact, his name, Yahshua, Jesus, it means the Lord saves, the Lord rescues, the Lord saves. That was his mission when he came to earth, and he invites us to be a part of that mission. Now, you see his strategy, I think, pretty clearly in this guy. You might have heard his name before, Zacchaeus. He was, in fact, a wee little man, and he climbed a tree one day because he was trying to see Jesus. He was a a tax collector. He was a tax collector, one of those outsiders. And what did Jesus do? Zacchaeus, I see you up there. I see you. I want to go to your house. I want to spend time with you. I want to eat a meal with you. And what was Zacchaeus' reaction to this? He believed And when he believed, his behavior began to change. He gave back money that he stole. He gave things back actually more than he he stole. He changed his life forever because of Jesus, his love for him. So what was Jesus' strategy? It's pretty simple. Belong. You are loved and you are a part of, 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 of me and of my family. Believe and then become like Christ. And we're all on the becoming part of that stage. Belong, believe, and become. So that's our strategy. That we, we invite people. We, we live life with people. We love people. We show Jesus' love to people so that they hope in the hopes that they might believe and become like Christ. So the question is this. Did they save Mark Watney? Did they save him at the end of the movie? What do you think? Of course they did, but let's see how they did it here. What happens when someone's rescued in the Bible? What happens when someone or something is lost? What happens in heaven? There's this party. There's this rejoicing. The angels themselves are involved in it. There's this massive celebration. N.T. Wright says it this way. If you discover what's going on in heaven, you discover or you, just, you find out how things were meant to be on earth. If you find out what's happening in heaven... Then you find out what, how things were meant to be on earth, the things that we should be celebrating, the things that we should count as our mission. What if that was our life mission? Was, to, was Jesus' mission? Was heaven's mission to seek and to save the things that are lost? What if we celebrated the way heaven celebrated or the things that are most important? When people come to know the Lord, that were once separated from God, who lived far away from him, who are now a part of his family, and the future is decided for them. Because we're not talking about human lives, folks, that just lasts X amount of years. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about eternity. So you saw that poster earlier, uh, Bring Him Home. And there's a site I found, I think it's actually bringhimhome.com if you're interested in it, where you can take a, a face and you can put it on uh, various people. And so I, d- I decided to do that in fun. Uh, 
You got this one, uh, my friend Scott, and uh, then a couple other friends. I picked people I knew that wouldn't mind uh, if I did that uh, as much, or they, they couldn't be mad at me for too long. Uh, and then you, you got uh, gear in there. Uh, just put him there. So I guess the question I'd have for you is this, is who's the face that needs to come home? Who's the face in your mind? that you needed to make your life mission to help bridge the gap and to show them God's love, that a God that would love us so much that he would die for us so that we could be made right with God. Who is that person that jumps to mind? And then maybe the next question is this, who is the person that you've never considered? Maybe you've said, they're not worth my time, my conversation, or it costs too much for me to maybe invest in them or to tell them or to share with them. That's just, that's just too awkward. Isn't it worth it, folks? Isn't it worth it? Would you bow your heads with me? Just take some time as I'm praying. I know that it's easy to get caught up in listening to the person who's praying, but I just invite you at your, your, your seat. Maybe you, you just want to spend time to ca- just call out names in your heart. Maybe people that are, are so valuable to you and some people you've considered to be invaluable or not valuable. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy in our life, God. Thank you that you love us so much. Honestly, we we can't even wrap our minds around your love for us. Lord, you, you tell us that we can't even imagine, we can't even fathom it. Lord, I pray for the person in this room that feels worthless. Maybe the, the decisions of their life, the choices that they've made, they feel like they just wear a price tag that just says zero. I pray that in this moment, Lord, that you would remind them fully of their value in you. That there is not a single dollar amount that that can be put on, on any one of us. That we are so precious and so valuable to you, Lord, that you were willing to sacrifice your life for ours. God, I I pray that we would live in that value and that we would tell others about this love as well. That we would tell and express how much every person is valued by you, Lord. God, I pray for those people, those faces that have come to mind, Lord, people that our heart is broken over because they are lost. They're living apart from you. They're going in a direction that's leading them to hurts and to heartache. God, I pray that you would speak loudly to those voices, those faces, that you would use your your still small voice, your spirit, that you would use anything, Lord, that you possibly can to reach them. Lord, especially use us. God, we don't want to just be prayers, but we want to be doers. God, I pray that you would, Lord, get us off of our seats and get us involved in your mission of seeking and saving those who are lost. Lord, I pray for the person that we have cast aside. Lord, I pray that this week, Lord, we would be intentional about our conversations, that about our actions. 
Lord, about our, our, our lunch times, about our, our people that we come in contact at work and in our neighborhood. Lord, that we wouldn't just learn names, but we would learn stories. We'd learn about lives and people and, and even struggles, Lord, and how we can speak hope through you, Lord. God, Lord, make us be intentional about everything that we do as we're called to your mission in this world, Lord. Help us to live it out this week. We pray these things in your precious holy name. Amen. Amen.